Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Hi there, Stephen Mansfield here, and I want to welcome all of my audiences. I've got folks watching from Leading Thoughts, welcome to you. I've got folks watching from the Great Man Podcast, and I got folks watching from the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. And the reason that I'm putting this out to all of my channels uh, is that I am talking about Thanksgiving, and I'm talking about some of the controversy around Thanksgiving. If you were with us last time in the last episode, you heard my flyover of the Thanksgiving story about those 66 days that the pilgrims sailed on the Mayflower and the horrible cold and the, and the storms that they suffered. You, you heard me talking about their landing and how they met the Indians and how the Indians helped them survive, but still they had a starving time and, and they lost many, many of their members, got down to just a few of them actually. And they got down to the point where the rations were, you know, five kernels of corn a day with a little bit of brackish water. And then finally, they had a harvest because they changed their farming methods and they had the Thanksgiving that we have celebrated through American history. Now, the question that I asked in that last podcast was this, why in the world is this so attacked? Why in the world is this simple, sweet, faith-filled story so attacked by modern writers and historians? To get ready for this little podcast, I have read probably 20 articles of late, and many historians, PhDs, academics, uh, are writing articles like the myth of the Mayflower, the myth of the pilgrims, debunking the myths of the first Thanksgiving. Well, why? I'm trying to understand why this has come under such bombardment. And I suspect that there are a number of reasons. I suspect that one of the reasons is there are, in fact, some, some myths, some things that were made up. I'll talk about them in just a moment. None of them germane to the core of the story, but still some things that have probably been you know, added to the story by PR firms or uh, folks who are encouraging travel to New England or what have you. Uh, and then I imagine that there are some folks who aren't happy about the faith element in the story and the way that religious people today look back to that story and, and remember the faith that undergirded this nation and, and things of that nature. And so let me just tell you about a few of the things that that are myths or that are attacked or used to give the feeling of myth about this story. Uh, And then we'll see that the story actually survives. In fact, one of my uh, favorite historians said in a book that I just recently read that the the core story stands up, that it's it's valid throughout history uh, and and it's good history. So what's been larded onto the story that causes people to attack it as being a myth? Well, one of the things, believe it or not, you're not you're gonna have a hard time believing this, but one of the reasons, uh, one of the things that's most attacked about the Mayflower story is the idea of Plymouth Rock. Now, if you go up to New England, you go to Plymouth, you're going to see an actual Greek and Roman structure, you know, a pillared structure over an actual rock that supposedly the pilgrims first stepped on. Now, you can already imagine that this is not true. The likelihood is that the pilgrims and uh, the people they called the strangers, the sailors and the non-religious group that they were part of, there were other people on the ship besides just the the pilgrims coming to the New World for religious reasons, um, that they got off the boat uh, while it was still out on the water. Probably they got onto some kind of a sloop or a rowboat. They rowed ashore and as had to happen, they stepped off on the beach, just like every beach you've ever 
seen. There weren't great big boulders there. It's not like the Mayflower pulled up, you know, and somebody came down a rope and stepped on that rock first. That's not how it happened. So the whole story of the Plymouth Rock is probably a myth, probably made up by uh, later PR people, people trying to encourage travel, as I say. Has nothing to do with the original story, never mentioned or claimed by the pilgrims themselves, never mentioned or claimed by early historians. So to attack it as though it is the core of the story, ah, it's a myth. There's no evidence to support Plymouth Rock. Well, you see what's being done there. You see that there's this uh, there's this assumption that this is somehow germane to the story. It'd be like arguing over what kind of silverware they used or what kind of shoes they wore. Or maybe somebody in the modern world makes some claim about what kind of houses they built or what the first church looked like. None of that has anything to do with the core of the story, nor do the pilgrims themselves ever make claims about such things. So... Let go of the Plymouth Rock. Look at it, smile when you visit Plymouth, and walk away. It's not germane to the heart of the story. We get closer to the issue at hand when we read some of the criticisms of the Mayflower Compact. Now, as I said last time, the people who sailed on the Mayflower who had a charter for the New World given to them by the king and his agents, and so they had to sail to certain places to be governed by that charter. Technically, it was the northern part of Virginia. Well, they got blown much further north. They were outside of the coverage of that charter, and they had to devise a new document for their governing. I talked about this last time. And it's in that document that they said, we sailed for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. It's also where they said that they were binding themselves together in a, quote, civil body politic, a governing body. Well, uh, for the pilgrims, this was just a necessary legal instrument so that they had some kind of government. Later historians, later writers have said this was an early document in our constitutional history. This was free people binding themselves together in a covenant to govern themselves. And it has some kind of, it's an antecedent to our modern constitution. Now, this is up for debate. This is stuff that historians can talk about. This is stuff that grad students can write papers about. Nobody's making the claim that the pilgrims themselves thought they were establishing a constitution for the new world. But sure enough, that's one of the things that I read a pretty pretty hefty weight, high level historian attacking was the idea of the Mayflower Compact being part of of our constitutional history. It's an interpretation. It's a theory. It's nothing the pilgrims would have claimed. Why would you attack this by way of attempting to debunk the story? You see what's going on here. People aren't happy about certain aspects of the story, so they attack unnecessary things about the story in order to question the credibility. Now, the thing that is most used in attacking the pilgrim story is the fact that when the pilgrims first came to the New World, as I said last time, there were Indians who worked with them very, very closely. There had been a, a, a pandemic, believe it or not. I'm recording this in 2020 when we're dealing with the COVID-19 situation. Uh, but there was a pandemic. Many of the Indians of the era, area had been killed and leveled in this, in this pandemic. And so there were Indians, believe it or not, actually sort of looking for people to associate with. Among them were Samoset and Squanto. And they came out of the woods, met the Indians. Remember the funny story that Samuel said, said uh, do you have a beer when he greeted the pilgrims? 
they became close friends with them. And yes, Squanto especially uh, helped them learn how to harvest the sea and plant in that unique area, etc. And the pilgrim said they were tokens of God's grace to us. Now, what happened was that many decades later, a war broke out between the whites and the Indians in that area. It's that area. It was called King's, King Philip's War, and it broke out in about 1675. Now notice, the first Thanksgiving would have happened in 1621. So 1675 was 54 years later. None of the people who were on the Mayflower would have lived that long, except maybe one of the babies that was born uh, either on the Mayflower or as soon as they landed. Maybe. That would have been a long life for that time, by the way. So hardly any of those who had sailed the Mayflower were still alive. And yes, a war broke out between whites and Indians. That was a very, it was a war-ridden era. Everywhere in the world there were wars. I'm not defending them. I'm just saying it was a violent time. It was a difficult time. Europe was at war. Africa was at war. Asia was involved in wars. Uh, it was a violent era. And yes, uh, 54 years after the first Thanksgiving, the Indians and the whites of that era had a very, very violent war. And yes, heads were put on pikes. And yes, people were slaughtered. And yes, there was betrayal. And yes, there was guerrilla warfare 54 years later. So when a writer attempts to say that the, that original pilgrim story, that original Mayflower, Mayflower story of faith and, and hope uh, and a vision for a new land is a myth because 54 years after those people lived, there was a war between whites and Indians, they're, they're reaching. And I want to remind you that that first generation, those first comers, as they said, the pilgrims, uh, they had actually written in their journals, we want to be stepping stones of the light of Christ for the natives in that part of the world. So they intended good things. Whatever ultimately arose, they intended good things. So I have to tell you that I've read a great many articles, as I say, to prepare for this. I can't find any there there. I can't find any real reason to discredit the, the Thanksgiving story as you are telling it to your children, as you learned it from your parents, uh, as it's been taught uh, in our schools, as it's been kept in our culture. There were 104 people who sailed on a ship called the Mayflower. They sailed for 66 days. They were almost killed. They came for reasons of faith and reasons for laying a foundation in a new land. They befriended the Indians who helped them survive. And even despite that, because they had arrived so late and were so ill-provisioned, they almost died. And then they had a starving time and many of them passed away, but they changed their farming methods they cried out to God, so they said, and they had a Thanksgiving with 90 Indian braves in attendance. That's the first Thanksgiving. That's the story. Them's the facts. Now, I can't prove that cranberry sauce was specifically served at that meal. I don't know whether it was mainly seafood or turkey. Uh, I don't know if rabbit was served. I get a lot of questions when I do these podcasts. But the core story is the issue. And the reason I'm taking time with all this, with all three of my audiences, is that I want you to tell this story. At this Thanksgiving, I want you to remember that New England tradition of putting five kernels of corn on each plate right before the meal is served and remembering the starving time. And not just the pilgrim starving time, but what people have suffered and endured all through our history to give us this country, to give us the freedoms that we have, to give us the opportunities. 
that we have. I know this is a difficult time. I know we're living in 2020 and we got weird politics and a pandemic going on and economic upheaval and problems around the world. And I'm aware of that. I, I, I live in the same world that you do. But maybe this is a good time for us to remember some of our heritage. And maybe this is a good time for us to push back on the debunkers just a little bit, push back on those who claim this is a myth, and just remember something good and noble and true at our founding. So let's celebrate this Thanksgiving together. Let's take on the commission to trans translate this to the next generation, tell this story to the next generation. And let's remember the sacrifices of those kids before us. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Have a great time. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.